Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And today it is, I believe, because you know I can be wrong about these things, Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. It is a brand new year. It's our first podcast of the brand new year. And well, things all around us could not be more uncertain which includes the uh, little adventure I've been on for the last few days. So when I left you, I can't remember last week, I uh, was staying in Newport Beach with and visiting my mom and my stepdad. And uh, I had to leave because the people whose house I was in uh, were coming back early. They were in, I think they were in Nebraska. I think they might have gotten tired of the cold because it wasn't cold. It was rainy, but it wasn't cold where I was. So uh, I had to just kind of like shove everything in the trailer, I mean, in the truck, get out uh, because it was raining. I couldn't really pack or deal with it. Uh, made the decision to come to uh, a BLM spot that's just outside of Joshua Tree. For those of you who are not familiar with Joshua Tree, California, the park, the national park there, is actually bigger than the state of Rhode Island. However, uh, I'm outside of it. I'm not in visible proximity to any of the cool trees uh, or landscaping. And uh, it's like 30 bucks just to go in and look around. And so uh, I am not doing that because I have not gotten my stuff together to get uh, one of those America the Beautiful Passes which I think is $80, which means you can get into any national park with that. So uh, this whole trip has been just a fly by the seat of my pants. And the reason I say that is I keep being abruptly jerked from one style of living to another. And uh, I just wanted to talk about that in relationship to what we do here. And here, if you're new, if you're still here, because I went off topic here for the first two minutes, is what I call wired for danger. And really what that means is your nervous system, your primary nervous system response is when you see danger, you move forward. Uh, We all have fight, flight, freeze. Uh, I call that push, pull, pause if we think about how we're working with it energetically. But my focus is primarily on those of us who push because we have our own set of good stuff and we have our own set of bad stuff. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because I have been in three, four radically different environments and I'm observing myself in addition to observing other people uh, and through documentaries and some other things and how our environment radically affects our nervous system, and how we respond. Because when I say danger, most of us think, okay, that means something bad is happening, something's coming at you, there's fear involved, there's life or death. But it really isn't. It's a Danger is also just a reaction to defense against what we don't want. Because in the same way, you know, in fact, this is the first BLM place I've been where I've been a little uh, uncomfortable. There was a guy who was... I couldn't tell if he was uh, cruising me or, you know, trying to see who I was or if he was uh, trying to see what I had. You know what I mean? So uh, and then there was another car that's kind of lurkily perked very close to me last night. So uh, I this is the first time I've been a little uncomfortable. But the real 
danger response is pushing against what we don't want. Like, I don't want people too close to me that make me uncomfortable because then I'm hyper alert and uh, do I have to react to defend myself? And so that push is really primarily about how we defend ourselves. And sometimes the danger is real and sometimes the danger is not. But one of the things that I was reminded, you know, everything I talk about, you guys know, most of this is really just a reminder because knowing it and doing it are two radically different issues. And we'll get to that in a bigger way in just a few minutes. So, uh, you know, pushing at what we don't want. And so when I went from, you know, being in the the trailer up in Pine Hill, uh, Rama, New Mexico, you know, I was pushing against the weather. It was cold. Uh, I couldn't keep up physically. I was pushing against what I didn't want and I couldn't fight it. So I had to run away. Uh, Then I came out into this desert area where the temperatures aren't bad, but uh, I'm fighting against how to navigate the physicality of this. You know, where's my stuff, how to stay safe, you know, where am I going, that kind of thing. And so these are all push, 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 right? And so then I had to push into Southern California, which I can't stand. uh, And it's an assault. It is an assault on your nervous system. And you're pushing when you're, you know, living in the quiet, and then you move into this assaultive environment. And I don't know how you guys live in the city because it's the noise is pushing at me and I can't push back, right? Because there's nothing I can do about it. The, uh, the It's never dark. There's constant light everywhere. Uh, it was also raining most of the time, windy. So it was very restrictive. Uh, I was staying, you know, at the very generous behest of some friends of my parents, but you know, it's a model home. They don't have anything in there that's not white or hardwood or expensive. Uh, and so I'm pushing against Haven because she's, you know, a puppy with white hair on dark wood floor. So I've got everything covered, but I'm stressed out. Don't, no, 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 right? Don't go to the bathroom. Don't do this. Don't do that. So that was very uncomfortable. You know, my parents are so fragile. Oh my gosh, it was so depressing. But she's pushing at them and I'm pushing at her. No, 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 no. And they're so fragile and weak in their response system, they couldn't even tell her to stay off. No. I mean, they would just sit there and no. And then, you know, she's, my stepdad comes up and he's got two band-aids on his hand and he's bleeding from where she's, there's blood on her from where she's bit him. And, and she's not biting, she's mouthing, but their skin is so fragile. So it was so stressful and there was nowhere pretty much I could take her off leash. And there was this black crap on the ground that was getting everywhere. And, you know, and there's rules, 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 rules. And, you know, the funny part was, is, is I would try to clean up, you know, for those of you who live in the country, right, you just take your rug outside and you shake it, right? Well, even the streets are so clean, I didn't even feel comfortable, like walking out in front of people shaking out all the blankets in front of them. So I had to pack them up all dirty and take them with me. And so, uh, and not to give you like a blow by blow, because there's lots of good stuff. But the point, oh, I'm talking fast. The point being, everything in me was pushing at this experience. And so for the majority of the trip, I was extremely short-tempered with my parents, with Haven, with myself, not because I was angry, but because 
I was frustrated because there was all this push fight energy because I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, you know, turn off the electromagnetic, which, you know, when you, you uh, go to get on the internet, there's like 500 internet things close to you. So, I mean, it's a total assault of electromagnetic frequencies. You know, I couldn't turn the lights out. I couldn't uh, turn the noise down. I couldn't turn the rain off. I couldn't get space. You know, it was, there's people everywhere. There's cars everywhere. Uh, it's just, I, I really do not know how you guys live in the city. So it was extremely stressful. And, you know, on the, I'm having the conversation just calm down, Jill, just calm down, you know, be nice, be nice, and how difficult it was. And I, it isn't about the people. It's not, you know, and and they said, oh, you know, we don't want to make you angry. And it's like, I'm not angry. I'm frustrated because what's happening is there's so much push energy in me with no place to go. And I share that because who we are isn't just about dangerous situations. In fact, dangerous situations are the easy stuff. It's easy when you get to fight because there's purpose and focus and uh, it's, it's what we're born for, right? We're good at fighting. The hard part about the Wired for Danger, the hard part about all this push energy is what to do with it in all these other situations that are not conducive to who we are born to be. And so when we're in these environments that are so anti nervous system friendly to us, right? And, and you know, we all respond to these situations differently. But uh, it wasn't, you know, family drama. It wasn't, you know, any of that normal stuff that holidays may activate. For me, it was strictly environmental. Because when I made that last podcast about control, there was so much control of the environment to look good for everybody. And of course, that's not my priority, but to try to restrain me and a puppy within this control grid was unbearable. And this is the future, you know, that that they want to, they, whoever you want to call they, uh, that's trying to be created around us is control. The more control, the more safer I will be. The more control, the more comfortable I will be. Not if you are wired for danger. So what happens is you're labeled as oppositional defiant, ADHD, conduct disorder, antisocial personality, uh, explosive disorder. So there's all these mental health diagnoses that say you are bad. And it's not that in most cases. Now, there are issues, you know, in terms of chemical imbalances. A lot of it has to do with head injuries or uh, one of the theories I really like is uh, polyvagal theory where you're basically, you know, a past trauma is trapped in your body. Uh, And trauma doesn't mean something terrible happened to you. It just means that it was a significant danger event and you weren't able to properly discharge the energy, especially if you were a wired for danger person. So you weren't able to fight or push. So you had to freeze up or run away. The energy gets trapped and you can't resolve it until that energy gets released. And so it keeps showing up in different ways. And so 
that are usually under the negative category. Uh, there's a story about a guy who uh, came back from Vietnam and on the one-year anniversary of his uh, platoon, everybody was killed in this foxhole but him. And on that anniversary, once a year, he would rob a convenience store. I mean, that was how he his trauma would reactivate around the, the anniversary date. So, you know, a lot of what we look at, we just don't really understand. And that's why I like to boil it down to push-pull-pause, right? If we can think about it energetically, if you're trying to trap-push energy in a control grid, <clears throat> you get a lot of frustration, you get a lot of anger, and that will escalate into violence. And so I was super stressed out and grumpy and, you know, was constantly trying to dial myself back because in addition, you know, I've been having problems with my uh, left leg and I'm like, oh good, I'm be on a flat surface, I have plenty of room, I can get all kinds of stretching in, which I did, but walking on the concrete and the asphalt just completely blew my knee out. I'm like, how do you people live in this environment, right? There's no absorption. And so my leg was hurting more and more and more every day. And and it's completely environmental. And so contrast that with, uh, I arrived here yesterday. It's interesting because I'm about a mile off the freeway, the Highway 10. And uh, so I can't hear a lot of the noise, but I'm watching uh, the cars and the trucks go past. And now it's in the dark, you know, at night and in the morning. And it's so interesting to see this constant stream of lights going back and forth. Uh, You know, in the contrast to kind of sitting out here, uh, it, it's nice and sandy out here, so there's less dirt. Yay! Uh, you know, I was able to walk barefoot in the sand, which is an excellent, excellent for your feet. You know, Haven has gotten all kinds of running in, uh, and the deeper sand is, you know, helping her discharge some of the energy. As a, you don't care, but I, I love this. She is so crazy. She's like leaping over these cliffs because there's a wash, uh, you know, because the desert, when it has big rain, it washes out. Uh, looks like mini Grand Canyons, right? And so she's she's running and she just goes charging off this cliff without any awareness of what's how far down the space is. <laughs> I mean, I love her bravery, but I'm like, shoot, I have to keep an eye on her because if we get someplace where there is a significant drop, uh, she almost took herself out. She landed so hard. But um, so it's, you know... And I've been able to get my stuff organized, and I was able to actually make my coffee this morning. And um, there's just a calming. You know, yesterday I was sitting with the sunrise, and I could feel the calming. And by the end of yesterday, when everything kind of was back in a place where I could access it, or I at least knew where it was, because as you know, no matter how you live, when you can't find things, makes you crazy. Uh how I was just getting calmer and calmer and calmer. And it's just environmental. You know, so much of mental health is about how do you feel about that? And, you know, for me, that was a real aha moment when I started to understand chemical uh, imbalances. And this was, you know, 30-something years ago before it was popular. You know, I was reading the medical journals, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, and it started with hormones, and then it went to neurotransmitters. And, you know, and it was just like this huge light bulb went off in that, you mean, it's not just I have some kind of mood issue. 
uh, and I need to be therapied to be able to fit into the world, which is, you know, behavioral uh, issues that we think of as only, uh, I don't know how I would say that. It doesn't have anything to do with who you are and you're not trying hard enough, right? And if you if you just try hard, then you will resolve, which, you know, is code for uh, you're not acting the way I want you to act. And so we're going to tell you this is how we do it in our family, in our school, in our association, our institution. Uh, and if you conform, you will be rewarded. And if you don't, you will be punished or uh, excommunicated, right? Now, the flip side is, is we do need boundaries and limits to function out in the world. So I'm not saying it should be a free-for-all, but so much of our behavioral has been conditioned for conformity instead of looking at how we are in the world. And like right now... Take a breath, relax. I'm feeling joy coming back. I'm feeling calm again versus, you know, how happy I am to see my family. But at the same time, the constant stress of Haven and no, 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 no. And she's like, I'm just a puppy and I'm trying really hard and I'm doing really good. Uh, but it's not good enough because it's a control grid. It's a, it's a mass of rules and limitations that have nothing to do with necessity and have everything to do with this is how we want our life to look. We want it to look clean, look organized, look uh, safe, regardless if it is or it isn't. It was I was observing how so much of where I was uh, is about the external. It's what you drive. It's what you live in. It's what you look like, what you wear. Uh, and how much energy goes into the externalization of appearances versus, you know, in a home that's comfortable and you don't care if it gets dirty. Well, you might care, but you can clean it up, right? And all that stress of a home and being comfortable uh, because you value the internal connection, the internal experience of being with friends, with family, with having a dog as they destroy everything. It's like, yeah, but I love the dog versus hating the dog because it's not conforming to this externalized perfection, right? Uh, you know, every all it was almost all little dogs who were dressed up and crabby. Almost every single dog we met is aggressive and antisocial. Uh, not at the beach, but uh, within this community, because they're all on leashes in this hostile anti-dog environment that demands conformity. So, uh, you know, it demands that you have to pee in this one spot, period. Well, you know, that's not what we're used to doing. You know, Haven's used to having, I can go anywhere, not this is the one spot you can go, which, by the way, after uh, 10 days, she finally went on the grass once. She still won't go uh, when we stop on the side of the road, you know, in the car and stuff. But one time she went on the grass on the last, I think the day before we left. So, but that's a separate issue. So uh, getting back to the environmental aspects of Wired for Danger and our nervous system response, when we have a lot of push, uh, we need room. We need room to breathe. We need room to relax. But what's most important is we need room in our environment to be who we are without all of our energy being tr contained in a smaller and tighter 
vice and grip. And one of the things that I did um, yesterday morning before I was uh, able to get up and start working is I'm sitting here in the dark because my solar lights uh, pooped out and I didn't have any way to heat water. And so I was just kind of waiting, you know, for the sun to come up so I could begin regrouping into what is my life is I listened to a podcast, which I will try to put on this page. If not, it's under wise, W-I-S-E, wise traditions. And uh, they have it on YouTube and they have it on all the uh, podcast apps too. And it's part of the Weston A. Price Foundation, uh, which is uh, a food-based natural foods. And they had a lady on, and I've lost her name, who had gone to Mongolia and stayed with the Eagle uh, tribe, the Eagle Hunting Tribe. So she was describing their food and their life. And uh, at the end of the... uh, interview, the podcast, uh, who actually had gone with her, the host actually had gone with her. She said, if you could only give people uh, one piece of advice, what would you do? And she said, I would tell people to spend the first hour of the morning when the light comes up outside. And she talked about, you know, what I keep telling you about too, about the healing power of being outside of the sun of nature and how happy these people were, you know, for multiple reasons, but they had a lot of joy. And so yesterday when I was sitting there uh, with the sun coming up and it was, you know, behind some clouds and it was starting to come out and it was just starting to get a little bit warm. And I just like, oh, you know, I just feel like I'm coming back into myself and like a human being uh, and how simple these things are, you know, listening to her talk about uh, how these people live. uh, And she, I don't know how old she is, but she's, she goes around the world and uh, tries to stay with indigenous people to understand, uh, you know, nutrition and lifestyle. And, uh, and that's what Weston Price did is he went to, I think, 14 different countries back in the 1920s to determine what really did, what gave optimal health. And, you know, I'm listening to everybody and, and we're all just reinventing the wheel. We're trying to figure out what the secret to being healthy and happy is by somehow that it's a secret when it's not a secret. That's why I did this whole human program, you know, a couple years ago. It's not a secret. It's very simple and very obvious. And we are biologically, we have a perfect blueprint and design to function in this world when we operate the way our design requires, which is completely supported by the natural world that we're meant to live in and not in these constructs. And then we wonder why we don't feel good, right? It's so much of it's environmental. And, you know, they just didn't have mental health issues the way we do in the past. Now, people had mental health issues, but nowhere near the amount that we have right now. And, you know, to live in that kind of uh, stressed out control grid environment, right? No wonder everybody's on medication or depressed, anxious, 
you know, all these things, reactive, explosive disorder, anger disorders, because nothing about that supports who we are biologically. Uh, And then what was interesting about her observation, which Weston Price observed, you know, over 100 years ago now, he went in the 20s, so uh, he... He said there was no, and I, one of the places he went was a place in the South Pacific. I think it was a Samoa, but I can't remember. And and they never had a suicide there until sugar was brought in, and they got their first toothaches and infections. And so people started killing themselves because they couldn't take the pain of a rotten tooth. He would judge health by. Uh, What's the word I want? Tooth decay, meaning a cavity or any tooth imperfection, and tuberculosis as sign of health. And what was really interesting about the teeth, the the book is a physical and mental regeneration. I think it's the I have talked about it before. It's excruciating to read, but it's filled with in terms of being dry and monotonous. But it's filled with pictures of uh, where he where they pull their lips back to show their teeth and, you know, from all over the world and what the constancy is within one generation of totally uh, indigenous food, local, wherever they are in the world. It didn't have anything to do with the type of food. It had everything to do with, uh, I mean, there was no perfect food combination. It had everything to do with processing and sugar of food, like flour and sugar and would come in. They would have perfect teeth and there would be straight and their face would be round and flat, which is our normal uh, face. The Caucasian race has a slightly narrower face, but it should be a flat face with perfect teeth and a broad smile. And immediately upon introducing any kind of Western food, the teeth would get all crooked. And that's how he would determine it in addition to uh, he was a dentist examining it. So they would go from like one cavity in six to 800 teeth to one in 30, one in eight, one in seven. So there was this radical change in their uh, dental health by the smallest introduction of any kind of processed food. And that's what this lady was talking about, the nutritionist. She said that the people who were 100% indigenous food were so much better off than the people who had started to introduce uh, the sugar and the flour. And now, she said, most of them still prepared most of their food in the traditional way, but uh, they had, uh, you know, small amounts of flour, but they were starting to experience health problems. And, you know, and this is civilization, and civilization brings in rules and conformity, so you can have a lot of people live in a small space, but there's a price that gets paid for that. And so it was interesting to listen to her talk about this tribe of eagle hunters, and it wasn't really just about the food, you know, that I brought this up. It was about the whole lifestyle and how... Uh, it's been a culture for thousands of years. And, you know, I started to think about who we are as uh, people who are, uh, 
we're all wired in a different way. So one of the, you know, one of my big issues is uh, when I say wired for danger, we, we think about, uh, you know, a Navy SEAL. I watched uh, The Terminalist on Amazon, which is about a Navy SEAL uh, and who he is in the world and, uh, you know, how he can't stay home and his wife is yelling at him saying, you said three tours was enough. You've gone back. She's gone back eight times. The toll that takes, but he can't stop himself because it's who he is. It's when you feel your best is in the field, right? That's when you are being who you are and the stress of coming home. That was the movie The Hurt Locker demonstrated that where the guy uh, was a bomb expert and he tried to come home and get along. And it's not that you don't like, love your partner, your wife and your kids or your husband and your kids. It's just not who you are. And I was thinking how these other ways of being in the world incorporate the family into who you are. So if you were a nomad hunter and that's what you were wired for, everybody comes with you. Everybody participates in that life versus trying to segregate it and say, okay, well, you know, six months of the year you get to go be who you are and six months of the year you have to go home and pretend like you can get along and function within an environment that is making you insane. And then we say, oh, you need medication because you're no longer conforming to who you were supposed to be in the world. Let's just medicate you a little bit, right? And I'm not saying that PTSD isn't real, but I'm saying that if you're born to be a certain way in the world and somebody says, here, you need to live in conflict with that, you're going to have some reactions to it. It's not abnormal to feel bad in an environment that hates you, that's completely contradictory to who you are wired to be. Now, what was interesting to me about the traditional uh, Mongolian is only the firstborn son gets to be the eagle hunter and very, very rarely a woman gets to be the eagle hunter. I, I watched one little short one and I guess the first eagle huntress th thousands of years ago got to be, was what started this eagle hunting tradition. But there was only 10, I don't, I think 2016, there was only 10 uh, who were able to um, what's the word I want? Uh, sorry, the phone is doing something here. Uh, there was only 10, you know, in the whole area because it is revered and thought only the firstborn man. Now, so this is, this is where I think we are converging in terms of who we are as humans. So we know, obviously, that we were physiologically designed to live a certain way in the world. But there were all these rules that kept us confined. Like you could only, like if you were a woman, you could only do certain things. If you were the firstborn son, you could only do certain things. Well, maybe you weren't the best candidate, but because in the old way, there were tons and tons of rules about what you could or couldn't do, it didn't work. Now we live in this modern world, anybody can do anything, but we're living so far away from the way we're meant to live that it's killing us. So to me, what I see is we're coming to a convergence point where we can take the best of the past and the best of what we have now and create something that makes more sense for who we are meant to be. And you can only do that 
in a civilization that has fluidity and not a lot of control mechanisms. And so what we see moving forward as the uh, governmental, institutional, corporate controls increase, right, it's taking away our choices. Uh, in the same way in the olden days, we had very, very few choices. And so the common theme is the restriction of choices creates one kind of problem. Uh, and what's happened to us in the present is we have too many choices. We've become information junkies. We're into the more, more, more. So there's a balance between too much to choose from and not enough to choose from. And so we're moving back into a place where it's like, okay, let's just rethink what we're doing here because uh, health-wise, we're completely screwed by civilization. But mentally and emotionally, we're completely, uh, we were too limited by tradition. How can we blend the best of both worlds? To me, that's where I see things are moving forward. But, uh, but, we're acting like there's some kind of secret, and there's no secret. I think the secret is by truly understanding who we are and how do we build a life, a culture, a way of being in the world that makes sense. And how do we think beyond just ourselves? How, what is the best way to have a family if you truly are wired for danger, right? It's not to try to live in this split way where you are, you know, one way with your friends and working and another way at home that just doesn't work out for everybody. And uh, tr especially in a super controlled environment of, uh, that that is absence of all nature. And so this is going to be a really, really interesting time. You know, one of the things that I thought was really sad and tragic is these amazing Mongolian cultures. It's so tiny that I guess the whole country only has three roads. Uh, you know, watching what's going on is that you know, all these documentaries, quote unquote, are people traipsing over. Uh, there's no hotels. And so all these local people bring the tourists into their home. But what's happening is this, this, uh, Haven's getting agitated. She's ready to get out of the trailer or the truck. Uh, you know, by this constant train load or truckload of people coming through their culture is leaving. And, uh, you know, one of the things that struck me about what was so different, you know, when I was watching these, the YouTube documentaries versus the oldie days documentaries, is that in the olden days, you know, the documentary really wasn't about the host. The host was guiding you to see something, but they were in the background. And now we've created this information system that says, here's, it's all about me in this environment. And, you know, they're taking these beautiful pictures and there was this beautiful imagery, but it's destroying their culture. And so when I was sitting, you know, yesterday uh, in the chair watching the sunrise, I thought, oh, I should get up and take a picture and show you guys. And I thought, but that just takes away from my experience of this moment. Uh, and, how we really need to rethink everything. I mean, that's going to be the big challenge for me this year is, you know, as I move through all these different environments, 
uh, how can I be in the world physic- as my physicality changes, understanding who I am uh, as the world around us changes and how uh, just because I know these things, like I know there's a better way to eat and I know that there's a better way to live for me. I can't just snap my fingers and do it, especially as we're dealing with all these external issues. It's so funny. Like, I'm digressing here from it. So she does real good in the morning, but because uh, it's dark, you know, I take her out. We go to the bathroom and we come back in. But now she, the sun's getting ready to come up and she's tired of being in here and it's been a long time and it's been 12 hours. It's like, I want to go out. So she's making noise and she's pawing because she's a dog. She's not supposed to be in a tiny environment frustrated. She should be able to just go out and do what she wants to do within her pack. And that's who we are. We are trying to constantly rationalize our frustrations when our frustrations are explaining to us this food doesn't really work for your system. Uh, One of the observations of the Mongolian people is how they are basically carnivore. They eat dairy in the summer and meat in the winter. And tons and tons and tons and tons of fat. And this nutritionist lady was saying, like, they were so happy. They were such happy people because they had so many nutrients that gave them the feel-good hormones as opposed to how most of us eat, which is the opposite, you know, of what our body needs to create these feel-good hormones. Uh, She referred to it as mindfulness, being present, being in the moment, how happy everybody was with their family and in nature, and how once cell phones and satellite TV showed up, that uh, people stopped talking and they started looking at their phones. I just have to tell you this digressive moment because it was so funny. There was this young, like he was 20-something young Russian kid that went into, uh, that was one of the Mongolian documentaries, and he's in the city, and there's this old guy on the side of the road, and uh, they don't have hardly any rules. You can just run any kind of business you want. And so there's an old landline phone. So it's like one of those old desk phones, you know, that has the, the receiver uh, and the phone is connected to the box, and you could call out on it, but it wasn't connected to any wires. <laughs> and he he calls his friend somewhere that can speak Mongolian, and he's like, how am I able to make a call? Because it wasn't like a cell phone. There was no way to see how the phone connected to anything because it looked like one of those old phones that we used to use, you know, back in 1970s. Uh, and and it was this guy who was like 80 years old. And then you would give him, it was 72 cents. You'd give him money for being able to make a phone call. And so it's, uh, ah, shoot, I lost my thought. So it's creating, you know, environments and systems that support us. But there needs to be some fluidity. There needs to be uh, room to breathe, room to make mistakes, room to experiment. Uh, And as we move into a more and more controlling world, it becomes more difficult. So, you know, when I did the podcast before the new year changed, I talked to you about decisions. This would be a year of making decisions versus setting goals. Uh, And I think another one of those decisions is what kind of quality of life do you want to have? And are you willing to make the decision to have that regardless of the cost? And I think uh, I can only speak, you know, for for me and my group, the Wired for Danger group, uh, 
What lights us up is fighting against authority, fighting against control. Uh, and that creates both a quality of life because we get to be who we are, but also a whole bunch of problems that go along with it, especially for anyone connected to us, family, friends, that kind of thing. And so it's a decision about how maybe we can best change who we are in the world and navigate it in a different way, having a different conversation. Because it's not rocket science what we're meant to do. You know, I called it primal human training. And I spelled spelled primal, you know, not P-R-I-M-A-L, but M-E-L. So I changed it because M-A-L has to do with malevolence. M-E-L has to do with love. And love isn't a passive joy experience that's peace. Love is the most powerful force on the, on the, in the universe. It's what holds everything together. So if we can tap into the love and strength of who we are as we make these decisions, one of the best ways to tap into that source is to start paying attention to what's in our environment that's keeping that from happening. Like you, if you're getting bombed with electromagnetic frequencies, you can have all the intentions in the world, but there's only so much you can do. It's impossible to sustain uh, certain things. You know, it's just, it's like lifting a weight. I mean, you may be really strong, but you can only hold that weight up for so long. Right? There are physical and mental and emotional limitations in this world. And our environment is incredibly powerful about how it impacts us. So one of the decisions we really need to make is how do we create environments that support who we are, as in push, pull, pause, fight, flight, freeze, as opposed to what looks good or what's expected or what's the norm or what we believe or have been conditioned through our culture and our traditions, uh, our family impositions. You know, what are the things that that hold us back because uh, we have lived in a way that made us pay attention to that more than what we internalize and experience and make some hard choices around that? And then recognizing that not everything works for everybody, you know. It's like you have to figure out how to be in the world in a way that makes the experience positive for you. And positive doesn't mean just peaceful and joyful and blissed out. Uh, You know, if you're wired for danger, blissed out is super boring. The thrill for wired for danger is overcoming an obstacle uh, often, you know, if it's me, you're bitching your way through it. But then that that moment, like yesterday when I'm in the chair and I'm peaceful this morning when I actually could make the coffee again, like I have all this joy and peace around that because it's getting to that. It's the spending all day yesterday overcoming the obstacle of my stuff being, you know, wet and screwed up. Uh, and then regrouping, right? It's the obstacle of climbing the mountain and getting to the top and then getting back to base camp and look what I did. It's not simple. It's not comfortable. It's not constant. It's a dynamic process. But 
surrounding yourself with people that maybe understand that if they're going to travel closely with you through this. Uh, You know, a lot of the conflict in our relationships, uh, you know, in our families is the stark contrast to how we navigate the world. I don't like control. I don't like physical limitation that says I have to live in a very restrictive way so everything looks good, right? i I would rather be dirty and frumpy and happy than pretty and clean and unhappy. And that's my decision. But these are the decisions, you know, I think that we're moving into culturally also. Like, what is valuable? Is it valuable to be in the old way where the firstborn has to be the one that's the eagle hunter? Or the new way that says, who's who's wired to be the eagle hunter? Whether it's the last born, whether it's the girl, maybe it's nobody. Maybe it's one of the grandkids. And so... As we develop more flexibility in our rules of domesticated civilization and cultural tradition, right, if we relax relax the rules about that and we start paying more attention to who we are and how we can best navigate in the world, I think it's all going to be better for us in the end. And, you know, the beauty of things falling apart is that they require a rebuilding. And if you're wired for danger, you're you're built to tear it down and you're built to build it up. You're not built to navigate it as normal. You're not built to just sort of go along at the day in and the day out. You need a dynamic quality to your life. You need difficulties to overcome, uh, and you need the periods of resolution, and then you need to start again. The difference is it doesn't have to be killing people. You know, there's a, a line in this in the Terminalist show where he says, you know, uh, I was my his life was built around perfecting the art of violence. Well. You know, that fits the personality, but I don't think that that really is a cultural positive, right? To make your greatest strength how to kill people versus, uh, you know, you look at the Mongolian eagle hunters where uh, their rush, their wired for danger people are hunters. And that's a thrill. Uh, you know, I've shared that the story of uh, the Lakota and and chasing the, uh, it was about crazy horse. It was an oral tradition, but he was talking about uh, the the buffalo hunting and how dangerous it was. You know, we're on their horses and they're in, mid- in the middle of these huge herds. And apparently buffalo hunting is way more difficult. It's not like a cow. It just doesn't stand there unless you snipe from a distance. But, but there was this huge rush, you know, in the buffalo hunting. So we can have these experiences that we're built for versus uh, creating situations uh, where it's bad for everybody. You can feed people by hunting or you can create chaos by killing people. But either way, you're wired in a specific way. And so when we understand, sorry, Haven's like going ballistic here. Uh, When you're wired a certain way, trying to pretend that you are not that person doesn't help you. If you're married to somebody wired for danger, if you have a child, a friend that's wired for danger, trying to get them to behave in a way 
that you need to be comfortable will never work. It isn't because they don't love you. Like I love my parents. I cannot tolerate that environment. Uh, and it's so hard for me to keep my crap together because the frustrations are so high. You know, we just need to acknowledge it's not that I need to be medicated or drunk or something while I'm out there so I can tolerate it. The problem is, is it's intolerable for me. Just like right now, it is intolerable for Haven to be in this truck. <laughs> She's getting so big and she's getting ballistic. So uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to say Happy New Year. I'm so happy that you are all here. Uh, I'm going to take a deep breath, my friends, and I will see you wherever I land next, which will be our next time.